0: Hi everybody! Uh, welcome to another episode of ECH Post Game Live, uh, presented by Flatstick Pub. Uh, wish, uh, wish there were better circumstances here. After join you after another uh, frustrating shootout loss. Uh, it's been 570 days since the Kraken have won a shootout, and uh, yeah, this one is a is a frustrating game. As I see in chat here already, therapy time there from Tammy. Yeah. We'll break this one all down. We'll try and talk through it. And uh, some extra good news, though, we'll start off with some good news, is that Dylan actually is... Uh, Live at Mullet Arena right now So he's talking to the players And the coaches kind of doing the whole Role reversal thing what I usually do After games Uh, and so he'll be Joining us a little bit later with the Reaction live uh, from Mullet Arena in Arizona so uh, Everyone stick around for that Uh, We'll we'll have Dylan on here a little bit later It'll be interesting to see kind of what his Takeaways were from this game Uh, But before we get into chat and get started Just want to shout out our sponsor Flat Stick Pub sponsors every one of these ECH post game live shows all season. Uh, great place to go watch a Kraken game. And um, yeah, with the Kraken coming back home too, they've got some of their season long specials that we've been sharing with you here. Before the game, 50% off all games at Flatstick Pub. After the game, dollar off beer. Hopefully, celebrating a big Kraken win as they come back home uh, for some very important games uh, after this next road game in Colorado. Uh, so let's dive into chat here, and I'll do my best to keep up uh, with it being just me. It's a little bit more difficult. I'm not as used to it as Dylan is. Dylan always does a great job with this. Um, but uh, let's start here with Coop. Uh, so darn frustrating. PK is literally a five on three every time with this current strategy. Kraken still unable to score at all in a shootout. At least Matty had two assists. Yeah. I mean, the PK, I I think that's kind of the headline for me in this game. That's the real story. Yes. The shootout struggles that does suck. You know, it's, it's an issue, but it just doesn't come up that often. The PK is costing them games right now. And I think tonight is certainly no exception. You look, the coyotes scored on the same exact play twice. I mean, it doesn't get much more frustrating than that. They ran the same play, and and it worked perfection both times. And you could see this is really the indication of how the Kraken's PK is just so passive that you allow the Coyotes to run this play without a whole lot of interference there, even when you've already seen it. Um, just there's so much time and space for the guy at the point to work. Uh, there's time and space for the bumper slot to feed that pass back to the outside. It's It's just... Too much time and the PK really you got to look in the mirror here and, and figure out the adjustments to make um, uh, this one from Jessica super chat. Thank you, Jessica. Uh, why don't we ever put our games best player in the shootout Tolvi had one goal one apple four shots on goal. Why not try him. It's a good question. I mean, you know, I'm in support of the all defensemen strategy, and I know that's maybe a little bit off the wall. But seriously, one thing that a lot of coaches will do is they will go to the players who are playing best in that particular game. Uh, They don't necessarily have, you know, shootout specialists unless you get guys who are just really good at it in general and given the Kraken struggles i I think i'd be fine with that kind of strategy yeah ellie tolvin was playing great in this game uh yanni gord was playing great in this game um you know maybe see some of those guys at least it's something different um but yeah i mean having a guy like jordan everly who you know maybe not producing a, a ton in this game and then i know he's got good career shootout numbers but but the kraken it's he's Scored like next to nothing. I don't know why they keep trying the same exact thing. I, I just, you need to see some changes there. Um, we did from, we saw some changes at least from Hackstall last time putting veneers in the shootout lineup. I think, you know, he's had a couple close calls, but still, I, I yeah, I, I would, I think that's a fine idea to try Ellie Tolvin or somebody who's playing well in that game. Um, Let's see, uh, Schultz, anyone else just turn off and move on with their day when it went to a shootout? Uh, I did not really have the opportunity to do that. I had to watch the whole thing unfold, hoping that maybe a defenseman or somebody different would step over the boards. But, yeah, I understand if that's if that's your feeling after this point. Like, look, they haven't scored a goal. I, I was trying to look it up when the last time they actually scored a goal in the shootout was. Maybe someone can help me out and chat with that. But again, just three shootout attempts and, and no goals scored. Like you can't expect the goalie to stop them all. Um, and even if he does, you still have to score at some point to win the shootout. Uh, Jessica. Yeah. I think we can sit ebbs on shootouts for a while. Yeah. I, I agree. He's got good career numbers, but just hasn't been able to put it together uh, with the Kraken. Um, and yeah, everyone I see just kind of agreeing with that sentiment about, you, you know, it's over, uh, you know, when the shootout starts uh, Gary first and second lines, not showing much again. I mean, the the first line, the new look first line, I guess if you want to call it that. They didn't play the most minutes, I think, but the Beneers line yeah, they they just keep generating offense. They keep creating chances. And actually look at the expected goals in this game, and it's super lopsided. 4.2 to 2.3 for the Kraken. Um but, yeah, I mean, the the top line – actually, they I, they played the third most of any forward line, and, you know, they were generating some chances. It, it got bad toward the end. But, uh, yeah, I mean, really, you had the Bjorkstrand-Gord-Tolven in line that was their first line by minutes. And, yeah, it's technically the third line. And, yeah, as you mentioned, like, they, they looked pretty good. Um, Lindsay, Maddie can't buy a goal, and it hurts to watch. Not on a breakaway, not even in the shootout. That was tough to see. At the end of regulation, with about a minute to go, Maddie Beniers on that breakaway – just can't and and I know the broadcast was saying the puck wouldn't settle for him it looking at it, it kind of did settle for him he just couldn't get the move that he wanted to he had a little bit of pressure on his back but still that's a tough situation and you know he's got to be frustrated uh, after all these chances he's generating you got to wonder if you're Matty Baneers, like what do I have to do to score a goal at some point I think once that first one comes the floodgates are going to open but you know, after a game like this, you just wonder when that's going to be. Also, as far as Haxtell putting veneers in the shootout lineup, I know he's been cold recently and I know he might not be one of the shooters I'd go with, but man, just giving him an opportunity on a breakaway chance like that, if he scores, maybe that can be the kind of thing that gets him going. It won't technically be his first goal of the season, but you know that'd be huge for his confidence. I think just at least taking a chance that that could happen, I support putting him out there in the shootout. Uh, Christian bummed they couldn't get a win for Joey I know this clearly meant a lot to him playing a game in that building I mean you know that he kind of helped build right I talked to him actually after the uh, the Vegas game last year it was the one right after the Arizona game about the chance to play in just the final minute of that game they put him in with about a minute to go and he just it was great to hear from him just like how important it was that he was part of that program and what what stuck with me too was him talking about what the coach would say of you know be the tradition you know you kind of had to believe in yourself and believe that you could do things that no one before you had done um and you know that sticks in Joey's mind he he talked to some uh, ASU hockey players earlier today also um still really important for him to get into that game um more shootout <laughs> contents. yeah lots of shootout stuff um Schultz, done looking frustrated, making mistakes, need to start making healthy scratches. No one is worried about getting scratched for poor play. I will say Vince Dunn, like he is scoring at a top rate. He's, I think going into this game was tied for the team's top scorer, but I do think he is making mistakes. He's taking unnecessary penalties. You look at the one that gave the Coyotes the tying goal on the power play. Like that's that's a cross check, plain and simple. And it's one where you, I know he felt like the Coyote, I think it was Clayton Keller, went down a little bit easy. The Kraken had some complaints about that tonight. And even though that might be the case, you can't give him any excuse to do that. That was a cross check right into the back. And you don't need to do that at that point in the game. And I just, I do think that he's let that kind of stuff get under his skin a little bit much. He's making mistakes in the D zone too. Lucky that uh, none of them cost the Kraken in terms of uh, goals on the scoreboard. But um, yeah, I wouldn't healthy scratch him at this point, but I do think just the counting stats aren't fully indicative of maybe some of the mistakes he's making. Yeah. Um, And yeah, Lindsay, how many turnovers did Dunn have this game? Because it felt like a lot. It was a lot. I noticed a lot of them. He did have a lot of turnovers. I didn't uh, feel like clipping all the videos of it together. But yeah, there were definitely some low lights in this one for him. Um, Yeah, Sean agreeing. Vince Dunn was bad. Um, And saying, you know, this is not good. And these next four games could be nightmares. Joey played well. Um, Yeah, the next four games, it is a tough stretch. You got Colorado, Edmonton, Colorado, Edmonton. Thankfully, Edmonton is not right now what we thought they'd be at the start of the season so hopefully uh that's not as tough as we would normally expect them to be uh but yeah i mean this is gonna be a real tough kind of make or break stretch for the kraken coming up here you know you lose these next four and it is absolutely panic time um so i think they know the seriousness of the situation thankfully you did bank a point here i mean that does help you but you know you're not feeling a whole lot better after this game um Let's see. I mean, definitely a lot of frustration here in the chat. I, I see a Coop. I see you, Michael, uh, just talking about the lack of changes. And I, I do think the team needs to look inward, kind of find some of these changes. Uh, I've seen a few people, including Jay right here, saying Joey looks really good. I agree. I think Joey Decord looked good in this game. And and certainly this was not his fault. I know uh, it's not a quality start. He's got the negative 0.61 goal save above expected, but he made some big saves. And if you look at the Coyotes goals, you know, two of them against were shorthand, you know, we're on the power play. So uh, that's always tougher for a goalie to stop like those one timers that the Kraken gave up uh, for the Coyotes goals, like on the power play. Those are so difficult to stop. There's a reason that Alex Ovechkin, you know, can just uncork those from that spot his whole career and no one can stop it, even though they know it's coming. If you get that shot away, it's just so hard to stop. So um, I do think Joey had a pretty good game in this one. It's it's certainly not his fault. And he, you know, he stopped uh, two out of three in the shootout. Like you hope to at least get one goal of support there to help him out. Uh, go check yourself. Gordon Tolvin had a good game. So he got that going for us. Yeah, I really like that line the Gord Tolvin and Bjorkstrand line back together kind of as we knew it from last season. And they just picked up right where they left off by ice time. They were the Krakens first line. I think by the level of play, they were the Krakens first line. Uh, They were, they were buzzing all around the puck tonight. And, and Yanni Gord man was so driven. I know he took three minor penalties in this game and he was upset about all three of them too. I mean, couple of them you could argue maybe soft calls but look they were calling it that way all night you got to figure that out um but yanni he just felt like after every single one he was motivated to go out there and make up for it so a good play from that line um and nicole agreeing on on vince dunn yeah it seems like we've got some consensus on some of these things here you know the pk and shootout problems vince dunn needing to be better um yeah, the basics, if that Bjorky shot is two inches to the left, we win an OT. I know the overtime, just back and forth, there were a few good chances for both teams. Um, but I did notice toward the end, the Coyotes were playing pretty conservatively in that overtime. And, you know, it kind of benefits them to do that when you know the Kraken are so bad at shootouts. So I wonder if that's something other teams are going to start doing uh, once it gets to overtime. Just play as conservative as you can and and try and force the issue, make the Kraken force the issue. Um, let's see uh, I'm going to take, grab some water for a bit. (laughs) Here a comment from Daniel. Uh, it can play with your head when you score so early in the game. I mean, the Kraken did score very early on and, and, you know, maybe you're tempted to think that, okay, this is going to be an easy win or or something close to it. And I, I guess it makes sense that you might be tempted that way thinking that, you know, you just scored on a two on O the way that goal came together too. I mean, I was watching that play and I'm like, Oh boy, this is like some bottom of the standings coyotes type stuff. I remember from years ago where you've got both defensemen pinching, nobody realizing it and it's a two on O all of a sudden. And, you know, it was ugly uh, and, and credit to the Kraken for taking advantage of it, credit to Alexiak for making a good read on that pass. But like, that's on Arizona. And And yeah, maybe they did think that it would be a little easier than it was. Um, but again, this is a trend with the Kraken. In the first period, they play really well. Second and third, uh, you know, they can kind of fall apart and be their own worst enemy. So it's something they've got to look at um, and just figure out why that's going on. I mean, it's, it's kind of the opposite of the coaching adjustments that we saw last year. Um uh, Sean truth is that the Kraken are about as on par with Arizona actually not nearly as offensively talented so OT is not that surprising uh, it's just how it got there that hurts undisciplined nonsense yeah I mean the Coyotes as much as that first play you know with the two on oh may have said otherwise like they do have talent they are a good team um, and, and you know they can play anyone close they're a 500 team I think I said this uh, whether it was last post game or on the on the deep dive earlier this week, I thought the Coyotes would be a really good next opponent for the Kraken because they're a 500 team, and if you play a good game, you should beat a 500 team, and if you don't play a good game, you should lose to a 500 team, and I think the Kraken were kind of somewhere in between here, and so they end up going to a shootout, which is you know essentially just tied through regulation and overtime, um, where they had good plays, they had moments, they played well, but just the undisciplined nonsense, as you say, Sean, like. That's been bugging me all season. Just taking penalties when you don't need to, uh, making undisciplined plays like it is costing them games. Uh, From Scott here looked like Wenny's best game of the year so far. Uh, you know, I might agree with you actually. Yeah, there was, I posted the video of him making that nice kind of ankle breaking move around the coyotes defender. He looked really confident in this one. Uh, he was, you know, being his normal playmaker self, but, uh, you know, he had a lot more confidence I think with the puck and was trying things maybe he wouldn't otherwise try. So good game from Alex Wenberg. I think that is a bright spot in this one. Um, let's see. Uh, Rebecca, RJ stuck with ECH therapy tonight, um, at, at least if at the start, you know, Dylan's coming. Dylan will be here to help out with the therapy tonight. Um, he'll be on in a little bit. I, I am interested to see what he has to say about this one, being in the building, if the feeling was kind of any different uh, for him or watching it unfold. Cause you know, there's always those conversations that happen in the press box, even though there isn't a proper press box in Arizona, it's just a little velvet rope kind of separating everyone uh from the fans but uh, i'm curious kind of what the feeling was in the building there uh, and especially what the players had to say so we'll uh dylan will be joining us at some point here so um stick around for that uh <laughs> to colorado next we yeah that'll that'll be a challenge that's for sure um Everyone's still hating shootouts. Uh, Scott, a lot of line juggling, looking for the right combos over the last few games. Hope Hack finds the winning setup soon. Yeah, I mean, Hackstall has had the line blender out these last few games, just trying to find something, trying to find a spark. And I think most of the changes that he's made have made sense. Uh, even the one, you know, moving uh, McCann back up to the veneers line, moving Yamamoto onto that line. Um, you know, I, I think I, I liked elements of their game tonight and it takes longer than one game to get that chemistry together. But like, I I do think there's potentially promising things there. Um, I mean, you look at the Schwartz-Wenberg-Everly line, which I would Never have thought to put together, and they've actually been one of the stronger lines for the Kraken since they've been put together. So, um, you know, hopefully, you just kind of see things that stick, and and you know, you could kind of build off of that. Um, see more shootout stuff. I know it's it's frustrating. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'll say it one more time here. The Kraken need to go with an all defense shootout lineup. Alex- Alexiak, Borgen and Adam Larson. That that's it. That's how you win the shootout. I'm on record. Um, let's see. Ricky Wenberg, 23:20 of ice time, 340 on the PK. Yeah, big ice time game for Alex Wenberg. I'm, I'm looking at this right here. Yeah, over 23 and a half minutes of ice time. That is a lot for forward. I wonder when the last time he's had that much ice time is. Um, I usually like to look those up and kind of see when that has happened last. But yeah, Alex Wenberg. And I like this about Dave Haxtell that he sees Wenberg's having a good game as we just discussed earlier. And some of you have pointed out, he sees Wenberg's having a good game and he rewards him with extra ice time. Like I do like that about his coaching style. All right, so we've got Dylan here uh, live from Mullet Arena. So he's just about to join us here. Let me get this all ready for you. Ooh, let's do the loading Dylan here, we go. All right. We've got Dylan here live from Mullet Arena. Yeah. Thanks for the view there. I mean, that is, that is just a special barn. Um, glad to have you on here. I'm glad you got your ECH quarter zip. Good yeah, to see. So good. It looks good on you.
1: Yes. No, it's fantastic. Love that. I finally get to have one of these. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah, so very happy for you as, as frustrating as the end of this game was, I mean, it, it's been kind of the obvious thing so far, uh, people talking about the PK, about the shootout struggles, yeah. uh, you know, Vince Dunn maybe needing to play a little bit better. But I'm curious overall, like what was the feeling there kind of in the press box watching that game live about how the Kraken played? Because I know the shootout puts a sour taste in everyone's mouth, the Kraken actually losing this game and not getting the two points out of it. But I know after the first period, you said that you thought they actually were playing OK. Just just thoughts on how the Kraken did tonight.
1: Yeah, I thought at five on five, the Kraken played really well, right? I, I thought they dictated play a lot. I thought that, you know, certainly like when the Matty Beneers line was out there, I thought the Wenberg line played really well. And we were just looking at these situations where, you know, play is almost exclusively in the Coyote's own zone. It was just the fact that they couldn't stay out of the box. The PK struggles continued. And and that really kind of, I feel like, took away from from a lot of the rest of it. Was there you know, maybe a lack of finishing again from this team at five on five. Yeah, there was, but I really felt like for the most part, they, they played a really, really solid game.
0: Yeah. And we we've seen that from the Kraken, but recently the PK has been an issue. We've got this super chat from light here. Thank you light for the super chat. Uh, it's been interesting to see that the PK that took us so far last season is now hurting us. I think the team is good, but man, I hope they get out of this slump. I have faith, still not as bad as year one. So uh, let's kind of, you know, take that to talk about the PK a little bit. Uh, The Coyotes scoring twice on the same exact play. I don't know if that's something you all noticed in the building right away, Um, but it it certainly struggled tonight. And and did the players and and Haxtell have anything to say about that?
1: Yeah, well, so Haxtell did talk about it. Uh, Lexiak talked about it. from Haxtell, it's just, look, they're not dictating play, right? They're not in control of what's going on out there when when they are killing a penalty. And that's certainly evident uh, when watching the Kraken PK. You mentioned the fact that they score on the same play. Again, yeah, you, you pick that up right away because it's, you know, it it just feels like it continues to happen. I mean, this is like a a different variation from like, say, the Goss despair goal from two weeks ago or the Yossi goal from last week. But it's all basically that same idea of if you can just move the puck around on the perimeter like that, at some point, you're going to give a shooter a really good look where they can just tee one up and and catch the goalie by surprise. And the Kraken have, have no answer for it right now. I mean, really, the answer for it was sitting up, you know, a few seats down from me and Brandon Tanev, right? Like he is the answer to this. It, it still feels like that is what they're missing. But I, I think Hacksaw's right when he says they are not dictating play. There, There's no element of this PK that looks like they are in charge or at any given point somebody's going to step up, take the puck away, block a pass, block a shot, change possession, and be able to clear or even work down the ice, get the power kill going, doing something to to help out. And then, you know, on a night like tonight where you you can't stay out of the box, Alexiak talked about, it was just hard to kind of continue the rhythm that they had five on five because they were continually taking penalties. And so yeah, certainly when you have when your PK is struggling, the last thing anybody would say to go and do is is take a bunch of penalties the way the Kraken did tonight.
0: Yeah. And, and was there any talk about that from the players or Hackstall? Because I know the penalties were an issue in this game. Yeah. A lot of frustration visibly shown from the players at maybe some of the officiating, some of the calls, but also at a certain point, you've also just got to figure things out, know they're calling it tight and stay out of the box. I mean, what was the takeaway? You know, Were there any comments on the officiating or the frustration there?
1: So I actually spent the first the first period or the first half of the first period kind of surprised that more things weren't called. I mean, there was that like one time where was it Matty Beniers who had a stick just completely held in the offensive zone. He's, he's kind of to the side of the net and it's just, I mean, it was like two coyotes had it. And, and at that point it was like, okay, we were kind of talking and it's like, okay, they haven't really been calling much. And then it, that just changed completely. End of the first period. It felt like that was, that was completely out the window. So I, you know, I don't want to say that the Kraken were maybe kind of lulled into a false sense of security by that early on, just because it felt like the refs weren't going to call much tonight. And then that very much changed, you know, you've you've already kind of adjusted to the one and then it kind of, you know, slingshots back at you. Um, But, you know, it's, it's one where Hacksaw talked about the idea of, look, they, they kind of felt like they, they had earned some power power plays themselves that that they didn't get the Kraken. Um, They felt like they were out there, they were working hard. Kraken did a good job, you know, at five on five, they were getting to the net. I thought they did a really good job of getting traffic in front. I thought they did all that stuff. And really that's where you draw a lot of penalties, right? That's when you put a lot of pressure on the defense to be physical, to be reactionary, to have to really kind of act before they can fully think through what it is they have to do. And I thought the Kraken did you know put the coyotes in a lot of those spots tonight. And there, yeah, there were some calls that maybe weren't made you still ultimately have to kind of control yourself. I'll come back to the Vince Dunn one, right, where he cross-checks Keller from behind. Like, what are you doing there? Like, you really can't do that one, especially given where the game is at at that point and how the PK has been playing. Like, you just, you got to be a little bit more situationally aware in that moment. But for the most part, I I think most of of us could agree that, yeah, maybe another call should have gone the Kraken's way.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, there, you know, there were things the other way too, that, you know, the missed Larson high stick when they're already shorthanded, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think the officiating kind of both ways maybe wasn't the best tonight, but certainly, yeah. you know, the Kraken, they have to take responsibility for, for why it got to the point it did. Now, the final major point that everybody's been talking about, it was kind of the first thing we really talked about tonight is the shootout. It's been 570 days since the Kraken have won a shootout. I don't know when the last time they scored a goal in the shootout was. Did we get anything post game about that? I, I know at a certain point it's it's just kind of a crapshoot and there, there's not a whole lot you can do. It's random, but anything from from Haxtell or the players at all on the shootout?
1: Uh, just that you know he's he's trying different personnel there. That's that's what we got.
0: I don't know that that's. I'll. I'll he said this yep. to me in year one too. is <laughs> I don't know yep. that that's uh, accurate. So I'll I'll give that back to him. He said that to me after a question year one. I felt so embarrassed. I'll hand it back to him right here. I don't know about trying different personnel.
1: The question was asked about shaking it up and he responded that they had.
0: All right, then Um, let's try and avoid going to shootouts in the future. Then (laughs) I guess that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. Thank you for that information, though. I mean, that's the kind of thing I was curious what he had to say about it. Uh, that's you know, that's not encouraging.
1: No, no, it's not. And it's just it's one of those. Look, if if this was like the biggest problem with the Kraken, right? They're like a a six hundred point percentage team, a six fifty uh, point percentage team, or this is, you know, back where back last time I was here, where you're talking about March on a season where you're going to the playoffs. Everybody knows that you're, you know, working towards 100 points, all that great stuff. Then it, then it can be like, okay, yeah, maybe they really need to, you know, maybe you can figure out this this shootout thing or whatever. I just think right now, when the Kraken are struggling to finish, still, when the PK is as bad as it is is the shootout really top priority to really, you know, for them to be spending their time on and really think about this thing that you're only going to find yourself in maybe five times a season. Right. So I I can give him, you know, the benefit of the doubt there as far as like, you know, it's not what I want. And I don't think anybody wants him spending his time on, except for these few instances where it really, you know, feels like it. Um, But it's, yeah, you know, maybe a little, a little bit more, or a little bit more of an acknowledgement around it would be nice. Yeah, that's the thing.
0: It's not something you have to really spend time on or practice at. It's just try new players. You know, I mean, it's as simple as making the decisions in the moment. You have these guys practice it. You know, every few practices, mm-hmm. all the guys just take turns and go. You know, just give other guys a shot. And our buddy Chuck from Circling Seattle Sports pointing out, both shootouts this season, St. Louis and tonight, have been the same exact groups: Bjorkstrand, Baneers, and Everly. Yep. So, uh, all right. So here, I'm going to go up and chat a little bit more, uh, while I do that, anything, anything else particular, any like fun mullet arena kind of takeaways? What was the fan balance? I know you said there were a lot of Kraken fans there last year. Uh, yeah, how was it being inside the building?
1: Still a lot of Kraken fans at this one, maybe slightly less than last year, just because this year there is two Kraken games here. So I could see maybe some people are going to the game in March. some going uh going to this one, but yeah, it's, it's the same as last year where it's just, it's an electric building, the fact that everybody's kind of all in it together, right? Everybody's just in this lower bowl together all, all the time. And it, it not only makes it more intimate, everybody's kind of got that much clearer of a view. But like I said, it, it kind of creates this weird sense of community between both fan bases because it's it's still you a know, very split group as far as how many fans are here for each team. And it's just it's unlike anything else. I, I wish all of them were like this, to be perfectly honest, uh, just because I think it makes for such a special experience. And then also for us, the, the ability to sit kind of just up at the top of a section and hang out and and have fans and, and ECH community members come up and say hi, shake my hand, fist bump, right? Talk crack, and It's just awesome. I know I'm not up there uh, in Seattle enough. Uh, to, to be able to see a lot of people. So whenever I get to experience that, it's a lot of fun for me to see everybody. Um, but also just I think that that makes it really accessible. You know, uh, Brandon Tannev able to take pictures with people just in the, in the concourse here because that's just where everybody's at. And I think that, again, that's one of those things that you just think about, like, this that helps grow the game, right? You're making it that much closer. You're not creating divides. Um, between things, right? People in the section in front of us would just lean back and talk to the to the players there, uh, Megna and, and Taniv, and it's just like that's it's cool. I, I really think that that's fun. It's unique. Maybe it does. It wouldn't work for you know 82 games a season, but to have a couple games like this sprinkled in, I think it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm glad you got to go to this one. I know you love going out to Mullet Arena. I, I know from the start of the season, you're like, can I go? Can I, you know, go on that trip? So I'm glad you were able to. Uh, Super chat here from Light. Uh, just wanted to point out that in spite of no goals, Maddie is only one point back of Yanni for being the team leading center for points. Food for thought. Now, that's a good observation, Light. What do you think about that, Dylan? And, and I guess about Maddie's game as a whole, he did have two assists tonight.
1: I thought Maddie played a really strong game. I thought he continued to go out there and, and do what he does, which is he drives possession. I I mean there was just entire sequences. I, I think it was at was the end of the second or the start of the third where you had that one shift where the Kraken were just so solidly in the coyote zone that they're they're cycling, and then eventually the oh, it must have been the second because it was long change, and the Kraken yeah. were able to get a, an entire five-man, you know, change while pinning the Coyotes in their own zone. But that started with Matty Beniers' line. Watching him tonight, I felt like he he has changed his game a little bit. I felt like he wasn't necessarily going to the net as much. He wasn't driving down the middle as much as he normally does. I thought he was kind of hanging back a little bit more to make sure he could help out on defense. And boy, was he always the first forward back. A lot of times he was just kind of right there with the Coyotes' rush, stopping passes from, from occurring just by sitting in the lane. Right, It wasn't flashy. He wasn't doing too much. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, he had to streak back on the back check and make a big play. He was just coming back with the transition, keeping them from doing what they want to do. And I think that's a really, really big deal. Uh, So I thought he had another really good game. Just can't score. And you know what? It didn't look like he necessarily tried a ton either. Right, That was one thing that I noticed was he didn't have a shot on goal until like halfway through the third period. And I believe you only finished with one shot on goal. So I don't, you know, make of that what you will. I think, you know, his game is so solid. You don't want him necessarily changing a ton up, but at the same time, if, you know, if he's going to get one, he's got to shoot.
0: Yeah. I mean, you you have to shoot to score. Usually Uh, he, he actually did finish with three shots on goal. And that might be on that, that breakaway there with a minute to go. I mean, Weren't we all rooting for him on that breakaway at the end of the game there? Just he could have been the hero, could have scored his first of the season. Um, You know, that was a huge moment, but uh, unfortunately kind of couldn't settle on his move there. Um, so uh, going back into chat and by the way, sorry if I've, um, you know, I've skipped over something in chat. You know, feel free to put it back at the bottom. Here say, I'm,
1: yeah, I'm go going ahead. back through the the transcript and it was hard because I was I was kind of boxed out when Hackstall was was talking I'm trying to just because I'm like, I'm still kind of hung up on the whole shootout thing. I'm trying to see. It. I guess it's possible he was talking about the PK. I thought they were talking about the shootout, but it's possible he meant the PK as far as shaking it up, I, which I did notice. Matty Beneers had a shift out there, but I don't know.
0: That okay. Still, well, like, I mean, no, that would make sense. And we'll, we'll go back and kind of listen to it. I mean, they put the videos on the Dropbox and everything. Yeah. We'll, we'll clarify that, but no, that's good. You wanna want be correct on that. We gotta be, you know, good reporters, good journalists don't wanna mislead anybody. Um, so yeah, we'll go back and kind of see after this, what, what exactly he said. Um, from Chris on a wave, Dunner needs to go to a meditation retreat. Um, we did talk a fair amount about Vince Dunn and, and kind of needing to be a little bit yeah. better, maybe a little bit more chill. Uh, but, you know, the penalty, but then also a lot of turnovers in the D zone, it seemed like, uh, to me anyway. Was that something that you noticed and, you know, any talk about those turnovers?
1: A, a little bit, not to, not any talk about the turnovers, but certainly in this game, the thing that stood out to me more so than the turnovers there was just how aggressive he was in the offensive zone. felt like this was the first game where we were really seeing him, like, really go, you know. Deep down into the offensive zone, trying to get something going there. Not really a look we've seen too much from him. He's, you know, he's still put up points this year. He's been better on the power play, I felt like on the year as a whole, but he's been doing it all from the perimeter. He's kind of been running things from the back end. This was the first game where it really felt like he if he saw an opening, he was just gonna thread that needle and go for it. He was gonna really kind of dive in there. Um, so you know, I, I felt and then I felt at times that left them vulnerable coming back just because he was that extra guy up in there. So, um, yeah, that, that was more so the takeaway for me in person was just like, wow, is he playing really aggressive tonight?
0: Yeah, he was. I mean, he was kind of risk reward tonight. I think Vince Dunn was, um, and you know it can be frustrating when you're when you're losing games or when it's you know a game like this where you feel like you, you one step forward, one step back, uh, and you got to try and you know go and take that lead again. Uh, question from Maddie here: Would a captain help this team? And we haven't really talked a whole lot about the leadership situation, given they you know just went with the four alternates and everything. But um, you know, I think it's a valid question: Would would a captain help this team at this point?
1: Maybe. Right. I mean, if 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 it would help deal with the situation of like, you know, when things like the McCann, you know, Magia Pani thing happens. Right. When it comes to them, uh, you know, it, as weird and terrible as it sounds, sticking up for each other. Right. Showing some of that passion and, and you know, toughness, whatever it is you want to call it, whatever adjective you want to use. Maybe it would help in a situation like that if there was kind of more so one person holding people accountable instead of, you know, a, a quasi-leadership group approach. Maybe that's one of those things that falls through the cracks in a situation like that. I don't know. Um, the other thing is, you know, maybe that helps with... Um, I had another thing and I'm just totally spacing now. <laughs> what was I going to say? Good? But I, do think, I do think it would help with that, for one, just to have kind of that one person... And I think this would also be a situation where by having a a single captain, somebody whose job it is to be that kind of buffer between, you know, whether it's the team and the coaching staff or or more so this year, the team and the media, somebody who can just kind of maybe take some of the pressure off of everybody else when the team's off to a rocky start or the team's struggling, finishing, right? Just somebody who can come out there and, and be the face of it. So instead of everybody having to feel like it's on them constantly and address that each and every day, every practice, after every game, all that kind of stuff, if there's more so one person who can kind of just take it all on themselves and and let the rest of their guys, you know, breathe a little, I feel like that's another thing that could maybe help this team. I do feel like this is the first time, though, where I've started to, yeah, kind of ask that question myself. Before, it was always, look, they've got plenty of leadership on this team they're good to go. But right now it feels like, yeah, they need that toughness. They need that, you know, leadership, somebody to to get on them between periods, right? I felt like that was another thing in this game. They kind of played a full 60 for the first time, or at least to the first time in a long time. Uh, There wasn't really that second period lull that we're used to seeing from them. But I I feel like that is something. If there was that one just strong leader in the room who was going to just really go for it and be empowered by the sea, um, maybe maybe that would have changed some games so far this year.
0: Yeah, I agree with the points that you made, but I also think the timing is tricky right now. Certainly, if you're you're in a bit of a slump here and I feel like too much pressure to be put on that guy to be like, all right, it's your job to fix things now mm-hmm. uh, where it really needs to be the whole team kind of stepping up. And also, you, you know, you and I have both been saying, you know, Maddie should be the next captain whenever that happens. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. If you're naming a captain right now, it, it absolutely cannot be him. That's the last thing he needs is more pressure on him right now. Um, but instead of a captain, so this one from Harvey: uh, Do you all think the Kraken need a Revo type enforcer? Even a junior Ryan Reeves would be good for us. Seattle, the city, is tough, and Seattle, the team, is a wet noodle. So I think the Kraken actually do kind of have a junior Ryan Reeves. Uh, might even be a better player at this point uh, in John Hayden in the AHL. But yeah. um, I mean. Do you think do you think this, there's more urgency for that? I know we've both kind of been on record saying, you know, maybe that they should give him a try in the lineup.
1: Yeah, certainly I think John Hayden has earned it at this point, just with what we saw from him last year with the Kraken, what we've seen from him with the Firebirds. I haven't really seen too much of him so far this season with the Firebirds, but that will change tomorrow night. Uh, so looking forward to that. I do think that, yes, having somebody in the lineup who can, you know, stick up for other guys or just be a, a, a tough customer, somebody, that can, you know, just let it be known that, all right, you can't really totally push us around, right? We're not going to let that happen. Um, you know, I look around the league, RJ, and you look at, say, um, Anaheim, right? You and I were both fairly critical of them bringing in some of the guys that they brought in this off season like a, a Radko Gudis, and you sign him to that contract, and you're kind of like, well, what's going on there? And then you hear Pat Berbeek, you know, the general manager, talk about it later, and he was just like, look, Team got pushed around. I'm bringing up all these young kids. I got Leo Carlson in the lineup. I'm going to have Mason McTavish, Trevor Zegers in the lineup. I just need somebody there to make sure that they don't get pushed around. And you look at him being added to the lineup. He brought in some other big guys, and all of a sudden those kids, nobody's bothering them. They're able to do whatever they want out there on the ice and the Ducks start winning games, right? They look loose. They're having fun. They're a very skilled team despite the fact that they have some of these bigger, tougher, slower players on the roster. They look 10 times faster than they did last year. So I do think that there is something to be said for that, even, even with this Coyotes team, right? Like they've got a Lawson in out there. They've got some big, tough defensemen that are going to make sure that guys don't totally push around Logan Cooley or Clayton Keller. And then it frees up those guys. Even if they're not playing on the same line, it just frees up their skill guys to go out there and be skill guys. And I do think that the Kraken Navy don't have that right now.
0: Yeah, I I certainly don't think there's anyone on the roster who is doing that job. And at this point, uh, look, I I think Devin Shore has played okay. I think he's he's done fine. But, you know, when you look at, I mean, I got to see how much ice time he had tonight. But if you're going to have somebody out there for – 4 fit 4 minutes and 50 seconds of ice time. I think it might as well be John Hayden who at least brings right. that other element there. You if, know, nothing against Devin Shore, but that's just not his game.
1: Yeah, if if somebody's getting less than 7 minutes, right? Then you're talking about a very specific type of role player, right? And and why why not have it be, you know, the thing that everybody seems to be on the same page about you needing from a role player, right? <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Uh, so this one from Jules, uh, I do enjoy seeing Yanni on the ice of him looking ahead to make plays for his teammates. However, would love to see him get some goals as well. Uh, and, you know, that that has been a bit of a theme for Yanni. Uh, and I thought he had another solid game tonight, aside from maybe the penalties where you got to learn that they're calling it tight. What did you think about his game tonight? Because you know kind of some ups and downs he was involved on the on the Krakens first goal you know making a good pass to Ellie Tolbin and well executed two on oh does take three minor penalties uh, second time in his career that he's done that uh, last time was a while ago with Tampa including yeah. a faceoff violation penalty in that game so I'm not sure exactly how that happened but still you know kind of an up and down game from him uh, what did you think of, of him tonight
1: um, that it was up and down that he, you know, look, he was frustrated by those penalties too, obviously didn't necessarily think all of them should have been called. I think, you know, that's, that's certainly a debate that could be had. I feel like after, after everything, um, that being said, when he was out there again, I, I felt like his line was doing a lot and, and really apparently it was doing more than I caught. Cause I believe that is the line that, that drove the most possession of any line in this game despite the fact that it felt like the Beniers line was doing a lot, despite the fact that it felt like the Wenberg line was doing a lot. It was that Yanni Gord line. So, I mean, they, look, they were they were reunited, right? Him, Bjorkstrand, tolvenin and it was what we expect. That is the energy line for this team. That is the line that goes out there. And you know what? I, everybody in the place starts sitting on the, the edge of their seat a little bit more just because the pace picks up. I think that's really the biggest Factor, And I do think that that, you know, especially against a team like this with the decor that they do have the Coyotes, it really did kind of put them on their heels a little bit. They, they were getting worn out having to deal with them.
0: Yeah, it was a tough line for the Coyotes to deal with. I like the energy. I like the speed from them and Yorkstrand being back with them too. They just picked up where they left off those three. They always do. Um, but back to a conversation we were just having about kind of having the the tough guy there on the team, because we've got some, some newer chats here from Jay. What's up with Alexiak not being a guy to stand up for our guys. Nicole agreeing with wanting to see Hayden. Uh, we got Sean saying, I frankly do not think the crack and oh. have the type of skill to be protected by guys like Gunas oh. or Polino.
1: I almost said that. At- Actually, I said, I almost say that just because it's like, I don't know who that skilled player would be that needs to, you know, that time and space, but, um, and look, I mean, Jared McCann
0: for starters, I guess maybe not the time and space, but just at least preventing him from taking more shots at the head.
1: Yes. You need that. Um, with Alexiak though, look, it's just not who he is. That's not his game. It's, I know he's the biggest guy. But that doesn't mean he is that guy, right? And it doesn't mean that he should be that guy, right? Like, if, if somebody just happens to be the biggest, but they're not a skilled fighter, they're not skilled at pestering another team without taking a penalty. Like, it's a very specific skill set that we've seen that those guys have RJ. And yes, size does play a role in it because you do need to be intimidating. You do need to be able to finish checks hard. You do need to be able to square up with some tough customers in this league. So size I'm not saying size doesn't play a role and and it is an important role, but Alexiak is, has never been that guy. You go back to his times in Dallas, in Pittsburgh. This has been something that's followed him forever is everybody expecting him to be more physical than he is. He's not even a guy who's going to go out there and lay out a big check. Like, that's just, it's not who he is. It's not his game. Um, His game is to use his reach, try to keep guys to the outside, handle things that way, and, and clear things out net front. But it's just not who he is.
0: It's not. I mean, Lindsay pointing out, Alexiak is a gentle giant. His his fights are few and far between. And and Rebecca says she appreciates it. I generally appreciate that Alexiak isn't a spicy player, always drives me crazy that other players will pick fights with him just because he's large. And I mean, that really is the case. I think he is kind of a gentle giant. And even last game against Calgary, there were a few plays where I I noted with some of the people with me in the press box, where he had a chance to really deck somebody or or really slam someone into the boards and make a big hit that could could potentially hurt somebody and he laid off. That's generally what he tends to do because I think he doesn't want to hurt anybody. And, you know, on, on a human level, man, I have, I have a hard time saying that you should maybe be different, uh, you know, as a person, although, you know, Coop pointing out, I'm sorry, that's all well and good, but what is the point of a gentle giant in a sport like hockey? You know, Uh, it, it does lead to a disadvantage.
1: Maybe. I mean, is it a disadvantage? The fact that his reach is still way longer than anybody else's, on this team when it comes to defending, right? Like you and I remember, think back to when Zdeno Chara and Dougie Hamilton played together, right? Dougie Hamilton's another guy who has a lot of size, but he's maybe not the most physical presence around. He's more skilled than Alexiak. I think nobody would, would argue that, but he's another one who's, who's just as big, but he, he doesn't fight. He's not the enforcer on any of his teams. But you think back to those Boston teams, RJ, when you had Dougie Hamilton and Zdeno Chara, just the fact that they both had that reach with their stick, right cuz not only is their arm longer their sticks longer and and they could just completely shut things down just because of how big they were they never needed to use that size completely chara did when he needed to do something oh, yeah. he was there he was a captain for a reason and a really you know damn good one at that but there are still advantages to having size in hockey, even if you're not going to use it to punish guys physically to go out and fight somebody, right? Like you have reach, you're able to, you know, when you do battle net front, you've got the leverage to win that battle. Something Alexiak does each and every time you see him out there, right? He's the one defenseman on this team. You've never see get boxed out, right? Just because he, he, it's hard. You can't, he's too big. So there's, there's plenty of ways you can use size without, being a goon or being an enforcer or being a fighter or any of those things. And I will just say also we do live in the day and age where if you are a professional athlete in a contact sport, it's impossible to ignore all of the data and research that is coming out regarding head injuries. um, Not even, you know, known head injuries, subconcussive injuries, all of those things that go on. You look at the NFL and 96% of you know, players that have been tested for CTE have tested positive for CTE, 96%. I know hockey isn't quite as smashing heads together as that is, but the numbers from hockey are very, very high as well. And so I'm never going to fault somebody who doesn't want to go out there and put themselves in a position where they're going to have to deal with something like that via fighting right? I'm, I'm never going to, you know, say somebody's, you know, not doing something right because they don't want to get punched in the face repeatedly. Like I'm not, uh, you know what I mean? It's, it's just not okay. And, um, and, and to that, to that same thing, when you play physical, it affects your body too, right? Like when you go out and lay out a big hit, your body's still absorbing some of that impact. There's still a lot of things going on on your end as well. And if, you know, these guys care about each other. I know they're on different teams, but to your point, you don't want to go out there and hurt somebody, right? It's kind of hard to go out there and and just drive a bunch of guys head first into the boards when you know that that could lead to very, very serious ramifications for them in the future and their family. So I, I don't know. I, I understand it. I think this is something that hockey's going through beyond just the Kraken, but I, I do think that we're starting to see – things shift and a lot of players' mentality shifting just because of what we know now that we didn't know before. I mean, I've I've seen Aaron Ward talking about it. I mean, he was a tough customer back in his day. And he talked about how he and his fellow players, they're just waiting for it. They're just waiting for these things because they all fought. They all did the big hits. They took the big hits. They were that guy for their team. And now they're just waiting for the first signs of dementia in their 40s and 50s and what that's going to do and how they're having to really make sure they cherish every moment with their family because they really do believe that this is coming for them given what they did to their bodies and so it's hard when you have that previous generation of players talk about hey i kind of wish now i didn't do that to fault the current generation for not doing it
0: yeah i Preach, Dylan. And and Jen, with the thank you, Dylan, Rebecca, Dylan for director of player safety, Zoe seconding that, Um, you know, I I think, you know, it'd certainly be an improvement. But yeah, I I think, yeah, you you don't want to force Alexiak to do that job. That's just not his job, not his game, not the kind of personality he has. And, and I will say, because I know Coop was pushing back a little bit on that. I, I get that it's nice, Alexiak is a big, cuddly, kind person. I love it, yes, but it's so frustrating to say it's not his game. Good players change their game to fill a need for the team. I don't think he needs to also, because you've got John Hayden waiting in the wings. He does that. He's accepted that's his role, and that's kind of what he does. Go ahead.
1: Well, and again, are we just singling Alexiak out because he's the biggest guy? Right. Right yeah, now, anybody be, needs yeah. to do it. Right. You talked about it. When that happens to McCann, none of the four other kraken on the ice did anything about it. Right. That's way more of a problem than just the one guy who happens to be biggest not doing something about it. Right? Yeah. And, and as, nobody's doing it.
0: Right. And and exactly. As, as Jessica pointing out, Donato would have destroyed Mangiapani for that. I miss and yes. say I miss Donnie. You know, Ryan Donato, not the he's six foot even. He's six foot, you know, he's not the biggest guy, but you know he'd be right there in, in Manjupani's face as a response for doing what he did to Jared McCann. It's gotta be somebody, and that message has to be sent. You know, it doesn't even have to be fight. You could be just trying to let ref let me at him, let me at him. You I know, it, it could say, be anything yeah. like that. Yeah, you, you know, you don't have to fight right then and there. there yeah. The yes,
1: yeah, so there's an element of it that is showmanship. But I I just think that yeah, I I, I think the only reason that Alexiak keeps getting singled out is just because he's the biggest. And what we're really talking about at the end of the day is the fact that nobody on the Kraken is doing this. And you know, yes, that that includes Alexiak, but it includes twenty other guys too.
0: Yeah, it does. And then Vyran also pointing out, yeah, how many times last year did we talk about Alexiak not quite looking right, possibly for injury reasons. And I know he was dealing with some stuff, you know, last year too. So that's gotta be on your mind as well. I think this is a really good kind of discussion back and forth here. Thank you everybody in chat, you know, kind of providing the points, counterpoints. I think that was, uh, you know, really good there. Uh, we kind of talk through this. Uh, you know, all part of the Emerald City therapy after after a loss tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving on here though, um, got a comment here from Casey. Uh, hey, did anyone notice the defense on the Coyotes' first goal tonight? It was weird that I think we had three guys back to defend and only one coyote, and the one coyote was able to score. Larson seemed to screen Joey's view. Now, Dylan, do you kind of remember that goal? I think it was Michelli yeah. walking in, and I don't know if Larson got a piece of it or not. But uh, you know, kind of take us through that goal and what you thought of it.
1: So I, I had a, a clear angle of that from really right behind him, right? As he's walking in as he shoots, and I could watch the puck go all the way in. It did not look like it hit Larson at all. Uh it did not change direction at all. Like it it was just there. Personally, I think it was just kind of like a clean win. Like you just beat him. I mean, it was it was Far to the side, I did it hit the post? I think it hit the. Post. It did hit the post. It went yeah, posted. So it, so it was a really good it, shot. It was just kind of a good shot, and and it was in that sweet spot area, right where it's above the pad but below. Uh, what side was he playing his blocker? So yeah, it was the blocker. Yeah, so it's it's one of those where it's just it's kind of right in that weird zone where, as a goaltender. When you're in that situation especially because it's far out so you're not expecting the shot you haven't dropped down into butterfly yet you're having to drop down into butterfly also try to push off to the side that the shot is is heading towards and when you do that i mean you're just not able to cover everything right you can cover where your blocker is which is always going to be a little bit high because you've just dropped right and then your pad is obviously on the ground because you've just dropped into butterfly so I, I looked at it and I just saw a shot that beat a goaltender clean. It's, you know, it stinks, but that's, that's what I saw.
0: Yeah, and then Casey following up there, uh, should Larson try to poke check or something there?
1: Yeah, Larson could have played more aggressively, especially because you are talking about a 1v3 situation, right? There's no reason not to be aggressive, especially because then you could rush that shot Even if he's going to take the shot, maybe he's not able to find that sweet spot or maybe he's off just enough that when it hits the post, it bounces out instead of bouncing in. I will always advocate for more aggressive defensive approaches when appropriate. And that is definitely a situation where that would have been appropriate. I will also always advocate for defensemen using their stick more. I do think that that is something the Kraken need to work on a little bit. Um, It's kind of the one thing Brian Dumoulin does really well. And I, I, I hope that the rest of the guys kind of get that from him.
0: Yeah, and then the one thing I'd add to that play, too, if you go back and watch it, uh, the Kraken were in the middle of getting a line change there as the Coyotes were moving through the neutral zone. And I think that just kind of froze the guys on the ice who might have even been looking over at the bench trying to figure out, okay, who do we have? Who do we not have? What's the numbers on this situation? I think it froze them just long enough that Larson kind of backed off maybe a little bit further than he would have liked. You normally like to contest the blue line a little bit more, but Mm -hmm. that was all the time that Michelli needed to at least get that shot off. And it was a heck of a shot.
1: Yeah, and you know, you're certainly sitting back, you know, you're, you're going through the line change, there might have been an element of, look, it's only one guy coming in, they're getting, you know, maybe they're chewing a change too. And you just feel like, all right, he's just going to kind of cycle around or he's just going to toss one from far. And you know what I mean? Like how many times, how many millions of times have we watched that happen, RJ? Right. Or it's just kind of like, a, oh, it's only one guy against three. He's not really going to treat the situation any more serious. A lot of times they just dump that into the corner and they head off themselves. So I get the Kraken maybe being caught off guard there a little bit. It's not an excuse. It's just maybe what that was going through their minds.
0: Yeah. Sometimes, you know, shot just beats you. It beats you. And, uh, Casey's saying, right. I thought it was kind of odd, almost better if he just gets out of the way. So Joey could see it. But yeah, I think again, just kind of frozen in that, in that moment and just trying to kind of be in the way. All right. So, um, at, as we hit the, you know, kind of 54 and a half uh, minute mark, just want to say, uh, you know, kind of re-up everyone, do do kind of a you know last call type of thing because we we have a lot of comments in here about um, you know the uh, the Alexiac stuff, the toughness stuff. Um, but yeah, if you have anything else you know you want to discuss, feel free to put that in chat uh, right now, and we'll kind of get to that with the last five minutes or so that we have. I'll kind of scroll back and chat see if I can find something because there's a lot in chat just from that topic so i kind of have to scroll back through it <laughs> this one from maddie it was on that topic but if yamamoto was six foot two he could be that guy man yeah. I, i'd love picture a six foot two kyler yamamoto i mean he you know, could be a 30 goal scorer if he just had that size to work with
1: i was just gonna say like he would i don't know why the first person i thought of rj was miko ronson oh yeah <laughs> but just think of like the way he cuts to the net and everything if he had the size to go through somebody instead of having to kind of sneak under and around right? That, that's that's who comes to mind first.
0: Yeah. Uh, this one a ways back uh, from Sarah. Small barns make me miss watching college hockey every weekend. Yeah. College hockey is fun. And uh, I mean, yeah, that's a college barn right there behind you.
1: Tell me this is not the solution for Winnipeg, RJ. You're only yeah. selling 11,000 seats anyway. Just make it like this. Make it an experience. Make it a place people would travel all across Canada to come to your place to watch their team. Like, uh, this is, I really think, for some of the markets that the NHL does struggle with attendance, this isn't the worst option in the world. I know it looks bad because it's not the number that you want, but it's not like Arizona was pulling more than this, really, anyway. And you look at a situation like Winnipeg, they're not really pulling more than this anyway. So you might as well just make it a better experience for the few people who are still trying to support their team, right? I know. Yeah, that I makes mean- too much sense for the NHL to ever <laughs> consider.
0: Although if Winnipeg's winning, any Canadian team, if they're winning, is going to sell out an 18,000-seat barn. And and, I will say, like a 5,000-seat arena in Winnipeg would be a madhouse. Oh, can you imagine the atmosphere? It would be incredible.
1: It would be a special thing, and I guarantee you, those tickets would cost a fortune, and the team would make roughly the same amount of money, I bet.
0: Yeah, it's a $1,000 a ticket, uh, and and you're set there. And you know what? They'd sell for that. People Um, from
1: Toronto would travel for that game. They'd pay anything.
0: Yeah, they sure would. Um, And and thank you, Jay, by the way, for encouraging everyone to like the stream. I have seen you do that uh, a few times here, as you always do. Appreciate that from you, Jay. Um, And then question from Zoe. How does the lineup stay the same or change when Tanev comes back? Now, Brandon Tanev, he did make the road trip. He was sitting, I guess, a few seats over from you in the makeshift press box there. Uh, But yeah, so I think we can probably start thinking about maybe when he comes back into the lineup, who comes out, how does the lineup change?
1: Well, I mean, the number one thing is he—he he would be inserted into this lineup so he could fix the power, the penalty kill, right? Like, yep. he, so we know he would go, join the lineup. I don't think anybody's necessarily, you know, played so amazing that it's like, wow, there's just no room for him. Uh, it's I—it goes back to what we thought originally, right, RJ, where. You're going to have Yamamoto and Ty Cartier splitting duties in and out of the lineup together just based on who you're who you're playing against, probably. Right. I mean, I don't know that one of those guys has played so significantly better than the other that it's that it's been made clear which is the guy that would you know be the more obvious scratch.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with it. I think you just kind of go with your feel there, and but you I definitely guess have Shore to
1: put, is the guy Short,
0: well, back. Shore would be the guy. Yeah, actually, yeah. he'd be the obvious one you'd put in. Um, and I think that would be a huge upgrade. Certainly, you know, yes. on the PK, where Shore's not really killing penalties. Um, so yeah, if Tanif can come back at all soon, I mean, Shore would be the guy for sure. Um, let's see this one uh, circling Seattle sports. Curious to hear your guys' thoughts. How much truly needs to change about this team? Feels like there's a lot of positive, but the struggles outweigh the good.
1: I mean, the, the, you know, things like the PK need to change, uh, the power plays, I get, you know, finally getting going. So there's something there. I don't know. It's the same stuff that you could say for a lot of teams, though, right? Like, oh, man, if they had another superstar or two, this team would be fantastic. If they had, you know, that one of those two or three top defensemen that can play half a game and just nothing ever happens when they're out there, things would be great. Th- that's really, though, what you're looking at as far as trying to upgrade. I think. Could you maybe make some moves if you needed to, if this really continues and you get to that Thanksgiving mark and it's really kind of on shaky ground, could you make a a trade? You know, I don't know, maybe, but just the way the roster is constructed, I don't know that there's anything you can really work with RJ. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I've,
0: I've kind of said this in my armchair GM chats right now. You're really limited as far as what you can do. This team is what it is. It's got a lot of potential to change in the off season coming up. But for right now, this group just kind of has to figure it out.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, it's true.
0: Yeah. And then light. uh, Here's my honest question. And it is a hot take. But at what point do we bring Shane up just to see what happens? Lol? he's playing great. and I think we could use what he's bringing to the birds. So I think we have pretty thoroughly covered this between the last two deep dive podcasts. Or, you know, my take is that you just can't you have a plan. You've got to stick to it. You can't mess with this momentum. And you, of course, uh, on this week's deep dive podcast, preaching patience there, like in using Quentin Byfield as an example. I imagine that hasn't changed in your mind. Right.
1: No, I, yes. I, I, I'm not as into the whole, like, you know, trust the plan as maybe you are, as, as much as I'm just like, where, where is he supposed to play, right? Like, what, you are you going to bump Yanni Gord down to the fourth line so that Shane Wright gets decent minutes, right? If you're just going to, right, you, you, you're going to get rid of Belmar, the, the guy you brought in to win face-offs in overtime and, and, and do a lot for you and help out on the PK and, and things like that. Like, I don't know where he's supposed to go. Right now he's on track. He's developing. He's getting better. Uh, so you you want to continue that? The only way to continue that would be to get serious minutes at the NHL level. And I don't know who you'd get rid of. And I'm sure without even looking, the comment sections all saying Wenberg. But again, Wenberg's not playing as bad as we all think he is either. So and he's kind of put in a tough spot with his his wingers changing all the time to kind of benefit other people. So <laughs> it's it's. It's just one of those situations. There's just no room for him. It doesn't make sense for that reason. If, say, there is an injury to one of your th- top three centers, though, I am starting to get to the point, RJ, where it's like, you know what? You might as well call up Shane while he's on a hot streak, while he does have that confidence, before the wear and tear of a full professional season starts getting to him. I, I do think that that is something that the Kraken should consider plan be damn. Yeah, I mean... It-
0: I still think, and I agree with uh, B's point here. Yeah. Bringing right up just puts all the pressure on him to turn the team around on his own. You can't be doing it off of a losing yeah, streak. He
1: can't be the savior figure. That, right. That and, and it's work. gotta
0: be clear that that's not the case. Cause if you call him up right now, it's going to look like, okay, it's your job to fix this kid. It's your job to finish and start bringing some goals. That's not good for him. That pressure is not good for him. Um, and yeah, Koopa is against it also. I, I think you risk slamming Shane's development to a halt, risk shaking his confidence all over again. <laughs> and by her end, keep Shane away from whatever weird curses may or may not be affecting this team. Right. Uh, speaking of, any good slash fun rituals to appease the hockey gods and get Maddie a goal? I feel like Lindsay's the expert on that one.
1: Yeah. That is definitely a Lindsay question. I don't know. So if
0: if you're in here, yeah, let us know what you're, what you would recommend there, Lindsay. Um, and then from Jay, if you're going to the game on Veterans Day, I'll see you there. RJ, one of these days, I'll be able to hang out and meet you in 105. I will be there. So, yeah, just let me know. I'd be happy to meet up with you. That goes for anyone who's watching this, too. If you're at the, at a game, want to meet up at intermission or whatever, say hi. Just let me know. Send me a DM on, you know, on Twitter. or how, you, you know how to reach out to us. If you're watching this, you probably know how to reach us. Um, but, you know, let me know, and I'd be happy to meet up with you. Um, so... Um, Let's see. And then, you know, Maddie saying, I don't think Wenberg's as bad as everyone thinks he is. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Wenberg, I felt had a strong game tonight. He did. And I, yeah, I, I agree. I th- yeah. So I think he had a strong game tonight. Um, so because we're, you know, we're at an hour three, I'm sure you probably need to get going. You're on the road. You're in Arizona here. Um, I think and Dexter, great seeing you again, Dylan, yes. doing my best to go to the ECH community here in the desert. Um, yeah, that's great. I'm glad you got to meet with some of the people there. I'll let you talk about it for a sec, but uh, no, I was just gonna
1: go. yeah, I was just gonna say it was great to meet uh, see you again as well, Dexter. you're doing a great job. I had a bunch of kind words. It's always great to hear that. And yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, it's just so fun for me to, you know, kind of break out. Uh yes, I've got Afra at home and that is fantastic and all that good stuff. But you know what? Uh being able to hang out with everybody, watch hockey specifically in an atmosphere like this where it's maybe not me having to run down an elevator to go say hi and, and and do stuff with people and then wait for the elevators to unlock so I can go back up to the press bridge like you have to do, RJ. The fact that it very much feels like we could just sit there and watch hockey together is just, I mean, that's what sports is all about. It's that community aspect. I've talked about it a million times. It's just one of those universal culture things all humans have. It's good for our souls. And and being able to, to be here tonight in a situation like this and, and talk with you, Dexter, it's just it's awesome.
0: Yeah, it really is. And I can I love this community. Love that, you know, we've still got so many people in here after a tough loss like this, all hanging out, all talking to each other. And you know, this. It's a great place to be. You know, it's not the only place that you can do that. Uh, also, got to thank the sponsor, Flatstick Pub. Another good place for the community to go hang out. Season-long specials here. Uh, you know, especially with the Kraken coming back home soon. For the game, 50% off games, play some games with against your fellow ECH community members and post game a dollar off of beer. Uh, and we'll, we'll hopefully have some more news uh, from them to share with you too. I got a meeting with them in a couple days, hopefully, uh, you know, plan some get togethers and, you know, figure out some of that stuff. So um, thank you again to flat stick pub. I uh, really appreciate them sponsoring each and every one of these uh, post game lives. There's the overlay yeah. uh, still a little, Go ahead, Dylan.
1: I was just gonna say, uh, did you did you do a fun segue at the beginning? I
0: not as I, I it doesn't hold a candle to you, Dylan. I don't know. You you, you can go back and look at it. I'm I'm sorry, Dylan. Uh, got but, one uh, job,
1: and that's the one, I know that's, that's I to know. do everything I do. After doing well, everything you normally do for this game. Thanks for that, by the way.
0: Yeah, no, no problem. But uh, yeah, we can't all be as good as Dylan. I think that's you know a lesson we can take away from this. But you know what? I can do one thing that you usually do. And that is say, see you all next time.